Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello there. Coming up on the podcast, Constable Jay Murray from Winnipeg Police on 2018's murders and the two that are still not solved. Todd McKay from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation on your tax picture for the new year. Brian Smiley from MPI with the year's top five frauds. And remember, Winnipeg's lap dance teacher will get an update on the podcast. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, the podcast. Constable Jay Murray, Winnipeg Police, joins us on the phone. Good afternoon, Jay. Hey, Hal. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for doing this. So you had an update uh, for reporters today on a murder, and then I want to talk about the number of murders in 2018 quickly and, and how many are still not solved. So give us the info that you shared with reporters today. You're looking for somebody. Yeah, we've had two homicides recently. The first one was on December 17th on the afternoon, and um, it was in the 600 block in McGee. Uh, upon arrival, we located an individual who had been uh, stabbed uh, they were transferred to hospital and, and unfortunately pronounced deceased. Uh, the victim in that case is Ricardo Hebe, a 34-year-old male. Um, a few days later, we put out an advisory asking the public to help us find uh, Kane Moore. He's a 21-year-old male of Winnipeg. Um, we had issued a warrant uh, for second-degree murder. And we're continuing to ask the public uh, with help locating this individual. Um, we've got our pictures on social media. A lot of the, major, the, the media agencies have covered um, his picture as well. And, and I think there's a pretty good chance he's in Winnipeg, and certainly somebody knows where this individual is. Um, and in this case, we believe that this person still may be armed with a weapon, and they should not be approached under any circumstance. Uh, if anyone knows where Kane Moore is, we ask that they call 911. And you can see his picture at cjob.com as well. As you uh, mentioned, you're looking for him, and that picture is up at our website. Now, over the year as a whole, a total of 22 homicides. How many of those have you solved? Because as you know, Jay, Winnipeg police are very good at solving murders. Absolutely. If you look back until I think about 2010, 2011, it, it, we have over a 90% solvency rate. And, and in fact, uh, in a few years, I think uh, we got to 100%. And, and I think that's a reflection of, of the worth ethics that come out of that unit. And these are officers that work relentlessly on these files. Uh, for this year, we've got 22 homicides, two of which are unsolved. Um, one that's unsolved happened in summer. It's uh, it was a victim by the name of uh, Kenneth Wood. I believe, and um, this was on July 11th at uh, in the early morning hours, uh, a male that had been shot in the area of Flora McKenzie. Um, so Kenneth Wood is a 35-year-old male of Winnipeg, and um, I know investigators are still working uh, hard at work on this file. The, the other homicide that's unsolved is one that happened on Christmas Day, and we issued a plea on that one as well. So this was Christmas Day at about 7.15 a.m. Uh, we responded to the report of an injured male in a back lane uh, just off the 400 block of Victor. Uh, when we got there, we located this individual. Uh, they were transported to hospital in critical condition and, and sadly pronounced deceased a short time later. Uh, so the victim in this matter is Tyler Evans Smoke. He's a 26-year-old male of Winnipeg. And we're asking the public for help in determining his whereabouts prior to the homicide. And this was on Christmas Day again. We're asking anyone that has any, had any contact with Tyler or can help us uh, paint a picture of his recent activities to contact investigators at uh, 986-6508. Um, we believe that Tyler hadn't talked to family for some time and, and potentially was a transient individual. So um, we asked that individuals share this plea with, um, with shelters and maybe uh, individuals who, who utilize the services of shelters and, and they might be able to give us um, some help. 
Jay, I appreciate you coming on. I think it's important that, uh, you know, we try and do our part as investigators at Winnipeg Police do their part and, and try and get these solved. So thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. The public is always instrumental in a lot of our cases, and, and I think it's it's we work better when we work with the public. And um, you know, they've they've helped us in a lot of other investigations. And and so again, we're coming to the public. Somebody knows something, and, and I think we're homicide is always grateful for any tips that they get. Jay, thanks a lot. Take care, Jay Murray, Constable Jay Murray, Winnipeg Police. Twenty two homicides in twenty eighteen. Twenty of which have been solved. <laughs> Canadian Taxpayers Federation was mentioned, and the Prairie Director of that organization, Todd McKay, joins us on the phone now. Hi, Todd. I hope you had a great Christmas. I had a great Christmas. Hopefully you did it, too. Excellent. I'm uh, glad you're able to join us here. We heard uh, some of the numbers in the news there. Let's look ahead to 2019 when it comes to taxes. What do we need to know here in the province of Manitoba? Well, the main thing you got to know in the province of Manitoba is the average family is going to end up paying about $78 more in taxes this year uh, than they have uh, in the past. And that's primarily because the government's going, the federal government is going to be taking uh, another, you know, uh, swing at uh, raising CPP uh, costs. That's about 98 bucks right there. Uh, that's going to push, uh, push taxes up for, uh, for Manitobans. Now you get a little bit back on that because it's tax deductible, but at the end of the day, you're going to have less in your wallet because the feds are, are taking more of it for uh, the Canadian pension plan. Yeah, and, you know, the province is out with a a news release today saying that they're working hard to make sure that there's tax relief for Manitobans. The headline on the news release is uh, putting money back on the kitchen table for families, seniors, households, Uh, that according to the finance minister, Scott Fielding. Do you agree with that statement? Is it the feds to blame here? Yeah, it absolutely is the feds to blame there. And I think this is one of those cases where we don't give, uh, and from the Taxpayers Federation point of view, maybe we haven't given enough credit to the Manitoba government for not doing the wrong thing, if I can kind of put it that way. We often don't praise governments when they avoid mistakes. In this case, uh, Manitoba, for a lot of time, had something called bracket creep, where your taxes would go up because you got a, a cost of living increase at work. It didn't really make more money but you got bumped into a, a higher tax bracket because those tax brackets weren't moving. Hey, Matt, I'm sorry to interrupt, Matt. Just move your phone around a bit. We kind of lost you halfway through that sentence there. Sorry. Is that's that better. A better. Yes, player? perfect. Sorry, yeah. That, no, that's okay. I get excited about some of the dirty <laughs> stuff. I know, but talk but, about that because you're saying sometimes maybe we don't give governments like, in this case, the Pallister government for the things that they're either doing or, in this case, not doing. That's right. So when you fix something and it works, sometimes people don't notice. And here's what happened. In the past in Manitoba, we had bracket creep, which is where you get you creep up into higher tax brackets just because you got a cost of living bump on your paycheck. You don't really have more money, but you got bumped into a higher tax bracket. Manitoba has fixed that problem by indexing tax brackets and moving them up with inflation so you don't accidentally get bumped up. Look, it sounds like a small thing, and most people probably wouldn't notice, but in Manitoba, the government added it up. It's going to save you, uh, Manitoba's overall, about $38 million. That's an awful lot of money, and that's a, a mistake that uh, Manitoba, the Manitoba government was making for a lot of years. They fixed it last year. It's paying off, and that's a big step forward. 
Well, and I want to ask you a little bit about, uh, we're going to talk later on to uh, Chris Adams. He's a political scientist here in uh, Winnipeg. We're going to talk about the latest provincial polling. But I thought it was interesting that the Tories are are hanging in there. They are fairly strong at 44%, NDP 27%, and the Liberals at 21%. Uh, Those are good, solid numbers for a Tory government that's had to make a lot of tough decisions. Yeah, that's right. And I think they're being rewarded on on a really key one. And it's a tough one for them on carbon taxes. You know, I think uh, no matter where you come down on what carbon on the carbon tax debate, uh, Premier Pallister really took a tough look at it, tried to find a way to make it work. But uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau sent a simple message. It's our way or the highway. We're going to impose a carbon tax, whether it makes sense in your province or not. Now, look, I don't think a carbon tax works overall. But Premier Pallister took a, took a shot at it, looked at it every way from Tuesday, couldn't find a way to make it work with the federal requirements. And so he did the right thing. He did what Manitobans want, and he said, look, we're going to fight the carbon tax. That's the right thing to do. It was a tough call, but I think you're seeing him rewarded in the, in the polling numbers. And how do we get the feds to look harder at the money that we have on our kitchen table to carry on, uh, you know, that comparison by the the province in this uh, news release? How do we convince the feds that we need more of that money of ours, our money on the table, that we can decide how we want it to be spent? You know, I think the number one thing to do is to show them that we notice when they're picking our pockets. So the Canadian pension plan uh, numbers are a perfect example of that. They think that they can just adjust those a little bit, that you'll think of it as a savings plan and it won't matter. They're going to take an extra 100 bucks a year from you. It won't be a big deal. It is a big deal. That's money that you could be putting in your RRSP, which gives you new flexibility. You could use it for a first home. You could use it for education costs, things like that. Really what the feds are doing is they're taking your money and they're locking it in. They're taking it away from you and give, taking away choices that you may have otherwise. we got to show them that we notice that. And so that's where when you phone your, your MP and your MLA and you talk about these things, it really makes a big deal. And that's uh, one of the things that's so important, uh, and that's why we need to talk about these tax changes uh, every year. Hey, Todd, before I let you go, how are you feeling about Manitoba heading into a new year here? You know, I feel pretty good. I feel really, uh, uh, I feel like the, the pre- uh, uh, premier and the government really listened to Manitobans on the carbon tax. That's a, such an important quality for, some, for a politician to look at a policy, talk to the people, and then adjust that policy. I think that's huge. And I'm optimistic we can beat a carbon tax uh, at the federal level as well. All right, Todd, I appreciate this. Thanks a lot. All the best in 2019, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. The top five frauds of 2018 at Manitoba Public Insurance. And MPI's um, guy, Brian Smiley, Public Relations Coordinator, there's the title, that's what I was looking for, uh, joins us on the phone now. Brian, I hope you had a great Christmas. Well, hi, Hal. I had a fantastic Christmas, and same to you. Excellent. Uh, I know we have uh, get this list every year, and I, I look forward to it. I'll tell you what, let's uh, do it the way we did it last year. I'll just give you the, the number, what, what it's called, and you tell me the story. How's that sound? Sounds great. All right. Number one fraud of 2018 at MPI. It's called Comic Con Job. What happened? Well, very simply, there was a devout fan of uh, Comic-Con, a 25-year-old woman, and she was observed uh, walking around Winnipeg's convention center for about six hours, Hal, six hours walking around 
enjoying her favorite activities. Um, the investigator also saw her doing numerous shopping trips and driving a two-hour round trip from her rural home in Winnipeg. Uh, now, the issue had been she had told her case manager that she was unable to work because she was uh, she would get dizzy. She wasn't able to work for a very long period of time, wasn't able to walk for a very long time or drive. So, uh, fortunately, we received a tip to the tips line and an investigation was opened. At the end of the day, with all the evidence in hand, Manitoba Public Insurance uh, came to the woman and basically terminated her income replacement payments and uh, filed a statement of claim uh, looking for $34,000 in benefits back to be repaid back to Manitoba Public Insurance. Before I get back to the list and give you number two, uh, is that usually the way this happens? A tip comes in and then that's how you guys are alerted to what's going on? Or, or, or how does this usually happen? Well, usually a number of ways, but a tip is certainly uh, one of the most regular ways. Uh, and that's one of the reasons we release the top five frauds, Hal, is to generate calls to that tips line. Uh, so we receive information via the tips line. We receive information from police. Uh, in some situations, the evidence just plays out itself. So though, there's a number of ways that these investigations are launched. But primarily, tips are a very useful tool. All right, number two on the top frauds of 2018 at MPI, number two is polite arsonist. Tell us about it. Well, this is a real strange one. This is a situation where the registered owner opened a theft claim. They told their MPI adjuster that they had given their car to their 22-year-old son uh, who reported the keys were stolen while he was at a house party. Now, that has happened in the past, Hal, but not in this situation. Uh, Basically, a number of witnesses stated that they saw a vehicle uh, in rural Manitoba around 7 in the morning. Uh, They saw somebody standing beside a vehicle, and they were lighting it on fire. And so this uh, vehicle pulled up, and they actually asked the uh, person beside the vehicle if they were okay. Uh, A young man replied, uh, yes, thanks, and have a nice day. And then he ran off into the bush. (laughs) Not a very typical move, but he ran off into the bush. Uh, The witness called the RCMP. Meanwhile, the day before, the night before, in Winnipeg, there had been a hit-and-run collision with a Winnipeg home, uh, and a neighbor had heard this loud crash. The neighbor quickly got out, looked over the fence, and they saw a young fella who appeared to be very intoxicated uh, in a Dodge Nitro, which was just the same vehicle which had been burned uh, later in the rural ditch. So I think you're putting this together, uh, Hal, and your listeners. Yeah. Uh, police then showed photos of, uh, of, of several individuals to the witnesses, and they were able to conclusively identify the driver, who actually was that particular son of the registered owner. Uh, with the information in hand, again, the claim was denied for false statement, uh, resulting in a savings of about $57,000 to Manitoba Public Insurance ratepayers. Wow. And, of course, that, you know, keeps uh, all of our uh, rates uh, lower, right? Paying out fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 means we pay more for our uh, insurance. And so by catching these people, it uh, hopefully benefits all of us. Absolutely. The $57,000 is part of the financial uh, calculations that we determine in terms of our uh, claim savings as a result of the uh, f- uh, our fraud uh, special investigation unit. And this year alone, uh, as of the end of November, more than $10 million saved c- claim savings because of the SIU efforts. Wow. Uh, number three, breakfast blunder. What happened here? Well, this is my personal favorite, Hal. i got to let your listeners know. This is my personal favorite. Uh, the registered owner of the vehicle opened, a, again, a total theft claim with her MPI adjuster. Uh, police had found her vehicle uh, badly damaged, and she reported that she had given her vehicle to her son. 
uh, the, the son, who was about 45 years old, uh, told MPI staff that he'd in fact gone for breakfast with his brother at a downtown Winnipeg hotel. He also said he was with his brother. So uh, basically the story unravels in the fact that uh, the brother said probably somebody stole the vehicle keys. Uh, he had left his sweater unattended. Well, in fact... Thanks to the investigative efforts, again, of our special investigation unit, uh, the hotel was approached, and hotel staff confirmed they hadn't served breakfast in a number of years. And then a phone call was made to the brother who was used, being used as the alibi, and that brother said he hadn't seen his brother in over nine months. So <laughs> you can quickly determine what would have happened there. Uh, so Manitoba Public Insurance, again, we filed a statement of claim for, for a payment of $22,800 uh, on the 45-year-old son. Before I get to number four and number five, let me just ask you, is it sometimes so obvious that these stories, it seems to me sometimes, you know, when lies get complex, it, it might be an indication there's more going on here. Is is that, uh, and I mean, you guys at MPI are pros at this, right? I mean, you, you, you look for this sort of stuff. Well, absolutely. The Special Investigation Unit consists of uh, many former retired police officers, uh, extensive investigation skills. Uh, I really believe the customer didn't think we were going to check. I think that's probably what happened here. They just came up with some excuses and, and told a story without even thinking that our investigators would make a simple phone call, or, or in this case, two very simple phone calls uh, to the brother and also to the hotel. Again, just real good investigative work. Number four, not-so-jolly Christmas party. Wow, and we're just coming off Christmas, eh, Al? <laughs> so yeah. This is a situation where a 20, 22-year-old uh, young guy, he went to a Christmas party with his uh, girlfriend. Uh, he, he came home and he said uh, his vehicle had been stolen. So he opened a theft claim and he claimed that uh, you know, he was, in fact, missing the key. Uh, but interestingly enough, the, the man's Dodge journey was recovered not very far from the man's residence, and it was badly damaged after crashing into a tree. Um, go figure. So during the investigation, again, uh, several circumstances came to light. Investigators would learn that the man and his girlfriend, they did, in fact, return home from the party. Uh, and, in fact, the vehicle was in the parking lot. But th the man, who, in fact, was the vehicle owner, he was very intoxicated and he was very agitated. Uh, shortly after arriving home, uh, he got into his vehicle and he drove off. So, uh, again, when presented with all the facts, the vehicle owner withdrew their claim because they basically knew that uh, witnesses had seen him drive away. And uh, pretty clear to me that he was intoxicated and he literally drove into a tree. Wow. And number five, uh, sorry, go ahead. What's that, Brian? Yeah, the savings, the savings to Manitoba Public Insurance, uh, hell, was $22,600. So uh, that's a significant amount of money when you add it up to the $50,000 from the uh, previous one. Absolutely. And one more here. Number five, top frauds of 2018 at MPI, vehicle, uh, vehicle technology tells all. What happened here? Well, this is a real interesting one. And, and when we put these top five together, we try to put in a number of components, a bodily injury claim, perhaps, a, a stage theft, perhaps. And, and in this particular situation, vehicle technology, it just shows you how, how these vehicles have advanced over the years. Uh, in, in this situation, it was, a, it was a call to the tips line again, and uh, auto pack repairs were saved nearly $40,000. But the long and the short of it was that there was a 2014 Nissan Titan, a real high-end vehicle, uh, badly damaged after crashing into a ditch in rural Manitoba. Uh, police suspected, and we did also, that the, the vehicle was in fact being driven by, uh, by the registered owner's wife, who uh, from all indications was heavily intoxicated. However, police were not able to place her at the crash. So the vehicle owner still moved forward to open up the claim. Uh, 
basically maintaining that he was be driving the vehicle. Uh, well, in fact, uh, staff from uh, MPI's training and research unit were going to download the data, which was basically on the uh, in the onboard crash data recorder. Once we told that to the uh, vehicle owner, uh, and we also explained that uh, this data recorder could uh, record the weight in the front seat and how many occupants in the front seat, uh, the vehicle owner quickly realized that his story was going to go down the drain, and he withdrew his claim. Again, a savings of nearly $40,000. Now, a quick question. So had that actually been, like, was the were, were your investigators able to say, hey, the weight in the front seat is different, or did they just say that and then spook the guy into going, yeah, okay, I did it? <laughs> well, geez, Hal, uh, interesting word spook. But no, in fact, the data crash recorder, they are, it is able to um, uh, record uh, weight and occupants in the front seat and various other information, uh, the speed of the vehicle at the time and the various other uh, uh, information that's uh, happening when, at the time of the crash. So these data crash recorders are very sophisticated and hmm. they capture a lot of good data. So they've been very use for, uh, useful for uh, our corporation in the past and obviously moving forward. Interesting. I just wasn't sure whether, you know, you were saying, hey, we've got this info and maybe, in fact, you didn't have it. I, I just wasn't sure because that is incredible that they have technology like that now where they can say, hey, uh, the person driving the car was 90 pounds, not 190 pounds. Yeah, well, that, that spooking would happen if Hal and Brian were in the investigators. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so you'd be much different if it was me and somebody else or, or whatever, yeah. Yeah, hey, if that was the Hal and Brian yeah, yeah. that one, we'd be spooking them for sure. Yeah. Right. Hey, Brian, thanks a lot for this, and, and great job busting these people who essentially are, are thieves, and you were able to put a stop to it and, and save uh, ratepayers' money. Well, before I go, Hal, one more thing, very important, our tips line. So if any, all your, any of your listeners out there know of someone who's committing insurance fraud yes. against Manitoba Publishers, call the tips line, 204-985-8477. So, again, we don't want to get ripped off. Insurance fraud, we estimate, costs our ratepayers about $50 a year per policy or an overall impact of $50 million. Isn't that something? Hey, Brian, thanks a lot for this. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Hal. Really appreciate it. One of the most read stories all day at CJOB.com has this headline. I lost everything. Winnipeg lap dance teacher shares story uh, years later. That was 2010. Hard to believe that's all that time ago. Churchill High School. You remember this. The mock lap dance. The uh, woman teacher sitting in the chair and the male teacher kind of dancing around her. It was on TMZ. Howard Stern talked about it. It was a big story everywhere. Well, a Canadian press reporter by the name of Chris Purdy, who joins us here on the phone, has done an update and talked to that teacher, um, Christy Fitchner. Uh, Chris, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Hi there. Hi. Thanks for doing this. Um, So uh, eight years later, I I couldn't believe reading this how rough her life was. She contemplated suicide at least a few times. Uh, Give us uh, some of the details. Yeah, I mean, we all remember this story from 2010, and I really just wanted to find out whatever happened to her. She'd never really shared her story. And when I reached out to her, you know, she, she thought about it for a while, about whether she wanted to go back into this whole thing again. And and she just had an incredible story to tell. She was like 
the, the things people were calling her after this, the comments she received, um, emails and, and comments on stories, just people calling her hurtful names. You know, at least one person told her she should kill herself. Um, it was, you know, she had lost her job. She didn't have money coming in. She lost her apartment. She was living out of her car for a while. She couldn't get a job anywhere because of the publicity from this um, dance. And she, she was, yeah, she thought about suicide. She was depressed and anxious. And really, her self-esteem was gone. Um, she spent a long time trying to put her life back together. And happy now, uh, not living in Canada anymore. What do we know about where she's at now and, and her life now? Well, she didn't want to disclose um, where she's living, but she, she did leave Canada because she really couldn't find a job anywhere here. Um, um, so she's not in Canada, but she is married. She's got two little kids, so her personal life, she says she's very happy. Um, it's just that professional piece that is missing. She is finding some substitute teacher work, but she thinks she'll never get a full-time job. Um, she does teach under her husband's last name. So she uses her husband's last name for that because she feels like this, uh, mock lap dance and the video that went around the world will really still affect her. She's still very fearful of that. And I think at the time we all saw the video, absolutely it was a mistake. It was inappropriate. Um, but boy, what she has had to pay for that mistake, I think, is out of whack. It, 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 it's not equal for the mistake that was made, what she's been through and continues to not be able to work in her, her career choice is, is sad, really. Yeah, I, you know, I even from just talking with people about, do you remember this story? They're like, oh, yeah, but a lot of people don't remember it correctly. Like, so there were two teachers involved. Right. A lot of people only remember her. Um, she was the one sitting in the chair, and it was the male teacher who was, you know, grinding and dancing around her. So she kind of explained how it happened was that, she was like, you know, kind of shy to dance in front of the, the school. It was a pep rally in the school gym. The teachers were having like a competition and da- dancing in costume. And she's like, I don't want to dance in front of anyone. She was partnered up with this male teacher. And he said, just sit in the chair. I'll dance around you. It'll be fine. Yeah. So really, it was kind of a spur of the moment thing. She didn't know. <laughs> Once it was going on, she kind of. You know, she admits she got into it. Everyone was laughing and screaming. And so she, you know, danced with her hands and he kept going. And, you know, when it was done, she's like, it, she knew right away, like, this is bad. This was a big mistake. And she regretted it. She was embarrassed. Um, but the fallout just was like a super huge um, controversy. Just, you know, she... Um, she feels like she was forced out of her job and he, he was just a new teacher as well. His contract wasn't renewed. So they were both gone. Um, so, you know, people don't really remember him as much because her name and her picture was up there like everywhere. And, and his name trickled out a bit later, but never a photo, her picture, a picture of her in a bikini from Facebook ended up on the front page of a newspaper. So, so she got the, front yeah. of the criticism and it was you know she feels it was sexist as well yes and that's exactly what i thought as i read this i thought oh what happened to him but you were unable to track him down right i was so you know and i don't want to be unfair to him as well because we really wanted to talk to him mm-hmm. um 
she believes he is teaching somewhere in Ontario. I haven't been able to find him. So, yeah, I don't know what happened. Well, Chris, it's a great update on a story that as soon as I saw the headline, I went, oh, yeah. And it was a great read, and people can check it out right now at cgob.com. Great job. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Thanks, Al. Chris Purdy is a Canadian press reporter, and you can see the story at cgob.com. Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.